Hello and welcome to episode 5 of View from the Sideline podcast. Uh, I'm Chris and Rich is here as always. Hello. And uh, Rich is going to explain what's going on this week. Yep, so coming up this week, uh, we've got the return of the usual feature, the weekly teaser. So this week it's my turn to um, put Chris's football knowledge to the test. Uh, then we've got the return of the weekend review following the uh, weekend's Premier League matches. Then after that, we've got a new uh, feature for this week where we are going to be doing a quick summary of the lower leagues in England. So the Championship League 1 and League 2. So we'll be taking a look at the uh, matches in those divisions. Uh, This week's special topic is the loan system. So Chris and I will be discussing our thoughts on that. So how does it work? Is it a worthwhile part of the game, etc.? Then... We've got predictions uh, this week. So they are published on Facebook and on Twitter with Paul, who's our guest predictor this week. Um, so we'll be taking a look through through those. And then we will finish off with what's coming up next week and ways you can keep in touch with us. Okay, so... so um, sorry, Chris. I was just uh, going to go straight into the teaser. Yeah, go for it for you there sorry to interrupt you but I'm I'm so excited by it (laughs) so with with the return of the Champions League uh, group stages starting today my teaser is uh, Champions League based so my question to you is which team won the first ever Champions League after it was rebranded so the first year that it was branded as the Champions Mm -hmm. League rather than the European Cup can you tell me which team won it? I, I can't right now. Um, I'll have to have a think. Oh, that's a hard I could, one. I could give you the year. So it was 92-93 season. was, was the first time that it was called the Champions League. Oh, so I was, I was alive. I was here. So I'll have but to see if I can... Know it. You should I'll know it, Chris. See if I can rejig my memory to that time when I looked on Teletext in 92-93. If <laughs> yeah. I can remember. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll have a think. But I'll, uh, I'll leave that one with you. Yeah. And you can uh, you can give me your answer at the end. Okay, so we'll go into the weekend review. So this is the review of the games from, uh, from the Premier League this weekend. And I I don't really want to start anywhere else other than Tottenham versus Liverpool. Probably the biggest game of the weekend. And I'm sure Rich has got a few things to say about Tottenham's performance on this one. I did wonder whether you'd start with this one. Uh, Chris, so thanks. But um, it, from the first point of view, it was it was poor. Um, I think Liverpool thoroughly deserved to win the game. Spurs were sloppy. Uh, they, they didn't look solid on any part of the pitch. Um, I'm not even sure Harry Kane actually played. Um, he was almost non-existent. Um, there's rumours that he's he's injured or he's suffering from fatigue because of the World Cup, but he just doesn't look on his game at all. Yeah. Um, just picking up on that Harry Kane bit, um, I remember you, I think it was either last week or the week before, you said that when Harry Kane doesn't play well, Tottenham really do suffer up front. So, Do you think there's something that they should look for in the summer, another striker? Yeah, I probably think they did. I think the trouble Spurs have got is that pretty much, unless Pochettino changes the formation, any striker that comes in is always going to play 
second fiddle to Harry Kane. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure Lorente's a, a, a good enough option, really. If you look yeah. at other top teams and the, the backup strikers they've got, I think I think they're probably better. But Spurs Spurs just didn't seem to click at all. Uh, Dyer was making sort of sloppy passes. Alderweireld was. They they just they just didn't look. They just didn't look like they were they were in the game at all. I don't think they really threatened no. Liverpool at all. Um, but Liv- well, saying that Li- Liverpool probably could have had five six goals on any other day. They could have easily scored. Five or six, I reckon, with the chances that they had. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't, I don't disagree with you. But it, it, it spurs again, concedes, conceding the first goal from from a set piece, which seems to be what they do at the moment. Yeah. Um, and even sort of if you're clinging to anything as a Spurs fan, it's the, the penalty decision late on in the game, the last minute when Mane sort of appeared to take Son's foot away from yeah. him in the area, but. He, he, Alan Shearer said on Match of the Day that he thought it was a definite penalty. But I've got to be honest with you, I probably watched it about six times before I thought that it even could be a penalty. Yeah. And I think it would have been harsh on Liverpool. I hate to say it, but it would have been yeah. harsh on Liverpool if Spurs had got a penalty and ended Ooh. up with a point because Liverpool thoroughly deserved to win that game. Yeah, well, Liverpool, five out of five. No, looking strong. Yeah, they're looking good. Yeah, they're looking good. Yeah, Chelsea got them a couple of weeks' time, so that should be a good game. So, Bournemouth, uh, the Bournemouth-Leicester game. Um, obviously, Bournemouth winning this one quite heavily in the end. The 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 Leicester manager, Claude Puel, he gets a lot of criticism from, from fans uh, about the way he plays. Now, I know, I know they've got, they've lost, and, and rightly so. The fans probably have every right to be angry with him. But do do you feel like because when he was at Southampton as well, do you feel that fans are actually giving him a chance? Probably not. I think he's got a bit of a reputation of playing boring football. Yeah, which I'm not sure what what Leicester fans actually expect. No. I know, I know they won the league, which probably, as, as strange as it sounds, probably wasn't the best thing to happen to them. Do you, th- because, do you think that raised expectations for the fans? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I mean, the, the, the year they won it, they played some absolutely amazing football, and that they, they deserved to win it. But they just, I, I personally find them quite inconsistent. I think they're yeah. always they're always a force at home. But I think when they play away, you can never tell. You can never tell with Leicester. They they just mm-hmm. seem to be one of those teams. They've got some brilliant players. They've got some great individual players. But I, yeah, I, I can't I can't figure that. I'm not sure it's the manager's fault though. No. To be honest, he seems to get stick. He, he towards the end of last season, he was like one of the favourites to get sacked. Yeah. I think even after the first game this year, like. His odds were slashed to get to, to be the first manager to get booted. When, but, yeah, when they lose, it's just, he seems to be the the one that everyone points. Well, the Leicester fans they they point the finger straight at him. Yeah, um, but but Leicester are mid table. Leicester are mid table, yeah. and to be honest with you, that's probably where they'll finish. 
And let's be honest, Bournemouth have had a cracking start to the season. So there's Played no some good football. shame in losing yeah. to Bournemouth. So it, it, was a, it was an entertaining game for the neutral, but Bournemouth sort of mm. blew Leicester early. Yeah. And what then I think the, 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 two, the, the two goals at the end probably flattered them a bit. Yeah, I think Bournemouth just, just let off the gas a little bit towards the end. Did you see um, Morgan's tackle, the, the red card, or the, the, the second yellow? Um, Which one? I thought. I think there was about two or three tackles. Well, there was there was three tackles. Yeah, well, there's three tackles, and he's dived in on all of them. But he's, for me, he's won the ball all three times. But listening to other pundits on the TV, they were all a bit. They didn't really agree on whether it was or whether it wasn't. But I thought he was quite lucky. Sometimes though, it's it's not it's not about whether you win the ball. I'd I'd probably say that it's. I'd probably say he's, he's got a, it's, it's a yellow card offence. The fact that he's already yeah. on yellow mean, means he's got he, to go. He should but, he should have known better not to be diving in. At, what, they were three uh, 0 down at that point. Were they or was it? Yeah, four? I think they were three or four. I think it might have been four actually. Yeah, some of it's probably born from frustration. But to be honest, it, I, I, yeah, it wasn't going to matter. But he, yeah. he can't have too many complaints with that. To no. Be honest. Okay, well, the um, the next game is the Chelsea Cardiff game. Um, uh, for me, for me, probably the best I've seen Chelsea play this season. Even though they did concede a goal early on, um, but I thought that they fought back I really. You were, I bet you were worried a bit when when Cardiff scored and Chelsea were one 0 down. Uh, not really. No, I, I don't think I was that worried. I think I think I thought it was always a game that we were going to win. Um, but Hazard again scoring a hat trick. Um, he's really the difference. He, he, without a doubt, he's the difference for Chelsea. Yeah. And I know we've said it many times before, but I think that's getting him to stay and not, not leaving the summer is a, is a massive boost for Chelsea. It was the best, the, yeah, it, the best it's, business it's, we did. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The thing, the thing that worries me, Chris, with Chelsea when when I watch them, and, and I'd like to get your thoughts on it, is I still don't fully trust their defence. I know yeah. David Luiz was sort of out in the cold a bit with, with Conte, but and he's come back, but he's not the most he's not the most solid of centre backs. He's not really. No, I think I think there's always been a question on whether he is better at centre back or whether he's. Better sitting in front of the defense, but I think he's I think, better sat in front. I think, yeah. he's, I think he's a bit almost dodgy. He's to, had to be honest. He's he's not he's not your your out and out. He's he's no John Terry. Yeah, he? well, he, he's he's actually done quite well this season so far. Uh, after last season, where he was kind of like casted out of the team a little bit. Conte wasn't too wrong, keen on him. Footballer. I'm just not sure he's. A, I'm not sure he's. A yeah, uh, and I like Rudiger as well. I think Rudiger. I think is is finally come out of his shell this season. I think I think with maybe the formation change having four at the back as as might have helped him a little bit. But it'll um, just be interesting to see when when you play someone that's probably gonna yeah. Well, we've got gonna give your defence a bit of a test. We've got West West Ham next week and then Liverpool week after, so that'll be the the yeah, big I think test the for us. Game will be, a, be a test, but you never know. Yeah. West Ham might pick it up. I, and also just one last thing on that game, I thought. Playing Giroud up front to start with, it work. I think it works better than Morata. I think Giroud, 
he he looks for passes for other players, whereas I think Morata sometimes is a bit selfish and tries to take on too many players. But yeah, I like Giroud. One one thing I noticed about that game, Chris, and this is this is going to sound a bit off the cuff and a bit left field, but it's something that that bothers me a little bit with football. What is the purpose of the corner quadrant for taking a corner? Why is it even there? Uh, is this to do with one of the... Co- if you... Yeah, there yeah. was one that was so... He was literally outside of the... Yeah, I did see that. It, it, it was unreal. But if you ever watch, just on a side note, maybe it's a topic we can pick up one week. <laughs> literally, every corner you ever see taken, it's the never. ball is not in the corner. No. <laughs> and there's a there's and a, there's a linesman, assistant referee, whatever you want to call stood him, right there, stood yeah. two yards away. Is it literally like, like just a millimeter of the ball has to be on the line? Anyway, there was. I'm, I'm glad you said that because there was one in the Chelsea game. Yeah. Was to, he he may it. as well have put it on the edge of the area. He might. Yeah, he might. Was that far <laughs> out of the quadrant. Okay, Crazy. so the. We'll briefly go on the Huddersfield Palace game. Um, Not really too much to take from this other than um, Huddersfield did create a lot of chances but just couldn't seem to actually get more than the one goal that they actually scored. And to me, without Zaha, I think Palace would would be probably would be in and around my bottom three come the end of the season. I think he... He's definitely their their shining star of the team, and I think without him, I think they would one struggle for goals because it only seems to be him that actually creates anything and actually scores the goals. I, I don't disagree with you. It's it's pretty much Zaha plays, Zaha scores, Palace win. Yeah. But the interesting thing for me out of that game was his comments after. I don't know if you saw. saw I saw this was this was, so this is to do with an incident in the game where he was fouled. And then he took it into his own hands, kind of, with, with the tackle than he made. But he was saying that he wants more, he should get more protection. Yeah, yeah. So he, he gets fouled. There's no doubt it's a foul. Yeah. So he, he's frustrated. He then, when Huddersfield are on the attack, he takes one of the Huddersfield players out and you can, you, it's purely out of frustration. Yeah. But, but after the match, he where he commented and basically said that what's it going to take? Is it going to take some, for someone to break his leg before before refs do anything to protect him? It yeah. goes back to the Kapu uh, tackle. This is where it's it got caught. Second, second game of the yeah. season, yeah. And I've got to be honest, I do, I do sympathise with him because he does get a lot... He, he does get a lot of... A lot of bad tackles on him, a lot of challenges. He does get roughed up a bit. Mm-hmm. But I think that's because teams know that if you if you do stop him, you pretty much stop Palace. Yeah. But on it's it's an interesting debate because on the flip side, I think over probably the last two maybe three years, I think he has got a bit of a reputation as being a, a bit of a diver, going yeah. down a bit too easily under challenges. So I kind of. <laughs> I'm really stuck in the middle on it. So I kind of feel like he's made his bed, he's got to sleep in it, but he does get rough treatment. But I'd, I'm not going to put him in the same bracket as like Neymar and Messi. But no. They're chalk and cheese. Messi gets kicked all over the place, but you never hear him complain when yeah. Neymar. You sort of run past him, he falls over. But Palace yeah, um, did well to keep hold of him in the summer. I think, you know, yeah, I think they'll do well it, to keep it, hold of him come... 
the winter transfers as well. If he goes, he'll go for big money because they literally need to buy a whole new team to replace him. But I think that's the talking point for me in that game. A good a good win for Palace. That's the sort of game Huddersfield probably would have won last year. Um, the fact they're not winning these sort of games is is why I think they're probably going to struggle. Yeah. Not allowed to say on that one, to be honest. So uh, the City-Fulham game, it, it was one of those games for Man City where they, they just literally coasted through the whole game. Didn't, you know, and their, their key players just, you know, just made Fulham look a bit silly. If, if that's... I thought Bernardo Silva played really well. That's, yeah, I thought, I, thought, I thought he had a really good game. I him, think he's sort of he's probably gone from what you probably say a squad player to he's probably going to be the majority of the starting 11s. Yeah, and Sane coming back into the team, getting a, a goal and an assist as well. Um, obviously, a lot was said about him at the start of the season, where Pep said he he wasn't quite sure whether he was ready to be playing again, but. Um, I was quite annoyed because I took him out of my fantasy team as well last week. What a player to have coming in, though. I know yeah. he hasn't played much this season. I, I thought City were always in control. They, they, We pretty much seem to say the same thing about City each week, that they, yeah. they look like they can score whenever they want to. But the one thing, uh, Sterling's goal, obviously it's a tap-in from like five, six yards. That's right, yeah. Whatever however close he was. But the first thing that came into to my mind was if, if he gets that chance playing for England, he's probably going to miss it. <laughs> like, but, but do you know what I mean? If I you understand, think, yeah. If you yeah. think back to the World Cup and some of the chances you missed, do you think if he was in an England shirt, he probably would have hit the bar or something with that. But because he's Crazy. playing for City, he's, he's going to put it away. But, but they, routine, routine win for yeah, City. Yeah, City can turn it on and off. Whenever they like, can't they? It's just one of those things for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So, Newcastle-Arsenal game. Um, Arsenal won this by two goals to one. A a couple of things on this one. I'm still not totally convinced by Arsenal this season. They've got Aubameyang and Lacazette up front, but neither of them seem to be able to score. I don't know what it is, um, and their defence doesn't look great either. Um, well, they both they both scored against Brighton. They did, but so should do, they? Do you mean your your comment is they don't look like they were going to score against Newcastle? They they should be scoring more goals, is what I'm saying. Yeah, they don't score, and I don't think they score. Aubameyang, you know, two three years ago he was he was rated as probably one of the best strikers that you could buy. And yeah. I don't know. I just, I just not. I'm, I'm not very. I, I don't think Lacazette had a very good season last season. No, so I'm I, not. I, I, I agree. I agree with one of your points. Arsenal to me still look a bit dodgy at the back. I know we've said that previous weeks. Yeah. They, they, they don't look like they've addressed that properly. They could. They, they probably need a, a Tony Adams or a Steve Bold. Do, do you know what I mean? To sort yeah, of, yeah. To go in there and and sort it out. I know. It's not it's it's not as easy just to go and get a player like that, but they they look a bit dodgy at the back. It, that for me was a typical game of two halves. Newcastle dominated the first half. They had chances, they just didn't take them. And then Arsenal second half, they get two quick goals. And then I know Newcastle get one back towards the end, but 
the goals Arsenal scored and the time it took them to score, the, ga- the game's sort of almost over. Yeah. But they're not convincing for me. Arsenal. No. And Newcastle have played three of last year's top six already. Um, so, obviously, they are second from bottom at the moment with just one point. But I think they've they'll, been handed quite be okay. tough. Like, yeah. They have had tough fixtures, but... Um, That'll be fine. Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal don't... I wouldn't be filled with confidence no. as an Arsenal fan. So, uh, the Watford-Manchester United game, um, this is actually a really, really good game. I quite enjoyed this game. I watched yeah, it, it was um, game, live. Yeah. Um, De Gea, uh, David De Gea, rightly so, in my team last week, um, as the goalkeeper made an absolutely brilliant save yeah. at the end of that game. Kept, kept them uh, winning the game. Um, I think after the social media storm we caught, what well, I caused last week, we put in Larice in. I think uh, uh, I can't even say on this it's, podcast it's the comments because they were that bad. No, it's good. It's good. Larice is. It's good. isn't playing at the moment because if he drops some clangers, then yeah, I'd um, be looking for a right kick. I in. thought. I thought it was a fair result for for United to. I thought United did edge that one. Um, one player that. Sean for me in that game for Man United was Sanchez. I, I actually can't remember him having that good of a game for Man United since he joined them. He was, um, he was literally from start to finish. He was brilliant. Everything he did, it was a pop. It was positive for United. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I'm not his biggest fan to be honest. But I thought, no. I thought he had a good game. I thought United played well. The the thing, the thing in that match that stuck out for me was uh, Matic sending off. That almost the first yellow card he got almost went unnoticed. Yeah, I, I don't know if you saw it, but because because the ref yeah. made advantage and then Watford sort of were on the attack and there was, I think there was a chance and then the ball went out of play or something. Yeah, he actually he went back and then booked Matic. He did, yeah. Um, but it, it's almost as if in in the game it went unnoticed. You didn't realise that he'd been booked, and then. I don't know. It, it, it's kind of like Morgan's with, with with this one that you're on a yellow card. I know it's sort of like the last. That's minute, what. I, yeah, that's what I can't understand. It's it the, literally the, the, end the, the game. Diff- the two are different in the respect of your team's four, three or four nil down. Your team's two one up away from home. And yeah. it, it was a bit. It was a bit of a silly. So, but when he went off, Mourinho almost seemed to congratulate him. Well, this he? is what I mean. So he's been like, "Yeah, well done. You've wasted a few minutes by getting sent off." But then, what happens if Watford yeah. then go and score? Is he then? Does Mourinho then go up them and slap him on the face? <laughs> well, I think he should be. I think he should be shaking De Gea's hand. Really. Yeah, I think he's safe. To be fair, it was straight at him. I could have saved that, but um, I'm not sure about that, Rich. Really. Yeah. It's pretty good say. <laughs> If, if it was Lloris, he would have caught it, set up a counter-attack, and then they would have scored another one. So, the, um, so Sunday's games, uh, Wolves-Burnley. Um, again, not really a lot to say about this other than Burnley are, are really, really struggling to get off this season. They yeah. they cannot I, seem to just get anything out of these games. And Wolves literally battered them for... 60, yeah, 70 minutes of that game. Absolutely. Joe Hart kept Burnley in the game, especially yeah. in the first half. I, I thought he, he had he had a really good, really good game in the first half, almost back to his best. Um, 
watching it, I thought Wolves were always going to break them down at some point. Yeah, they always looked, they always looked like they were going to get the first goal, and in in the second half, it wasn't Hart that was sort of keeping the scoreline down. It was Wolves just missing chance after chance after chance. They but, they literally they could have scored probably four or five goals just in that second half alone. Yeah, I don't. Burnley can't use the Europa League sort of not anymore Thursday Sunday anymore. Yeah, but yeah, they're struggling, which surprised me. I like do, I like Burnley. Do you think because because they were in the Europa League at the start? And they went out of the Europa League. They're just a bit demotivated at the moment. At the moment, um, possibly. I'd, um, but I mean, let's. It's it's the first time they've been in Europe for a long, long time. And yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not I, for a team like Burnley. I'm I'm still not sure the Europa League is a good thing for them anyway because. It, it can affect their form. It's different for the bigger sides. They've got the bigger squads, and they've got they've got a lot of talent. Yeah, on the bench, but it's, I think it's a bit not that Burnley haven't, but it's it's a sort of a different caliber of player. No, a good a good win um, for Wolves anyway. Yeah, uh, one now. Yeah, they've started off really well actually. Um, but I, I I thought they I thought out of the teams that came out they would probably cope the best purely because obviously yeah. the money that they had and. Yeah, you've got a lot of money behind you. Yeah. So the, the Everton-West Ham game, um, I would probably say a bit of a surprise result for this one. Um, I was yeah, quite someone... shocked when I seen they were obviously 3-1 up. I was quite shocked by that, but Mark, I don't know what you thought. Game, yeah. do, you th- do you think that's an upset? Do you think West Ham going to Everton and winning is an upset? I don't think on, it is. On, on form, yes. But maybe not on. If you looked but, at it the last couple of times, they played each other. Everton sort of started off really well, I thought, in the season. But I don't. I think they've sort of slowed down a bit lately. I mean, West Ham have started off terrible. Not, not. I don't think they had a point up until up until Sunday. No, they didn't. Um, I think. I think with Everton, it's like one win in five. But yeah, it's not great. It, if you compare if you compare West Ham to uh, Wolves last week at home, when we we spoke about how the players just didn't look that interested, no, they seem to care in this game. I know he changed the midfield a bit, and he put he put the three players in in midfield who seem to. I think it's is it Declan Rice they had in there. Yeah, Rice is one of them. Yeah, he he looks a really good player, and he seemed to make a difference for them. But yeah. the third the third goal was almost what I would expect from West Ham and the players they've bought. That was the build up to it as well, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, it was quite a good. good. Goal. It was a good goal. Donatovic, uh, he is their their star player. I think <laughs> I think they're going to need to keep him fit um, to is. stand any chance of staying up. I did I did put Yarmolenko in my dream team, which I'm. Uh, which when? I'm quite happy about. What? Last week? Or you had well, him since the start? No, to be honest, he's in it anyway. But um, I'm going okay. to live off the glory that although he hasn't really played yet, he now scored mm. two goals. So. Well, good win for West Ham. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, well then deserved. The, I suppose you could call it, do they call it local derby, Southampton, Brighton? Is it a derby? Um, no, Brighton's. Brighton's derby's more Palace, I think. Um, well, I guess I guess the only derby's well, it's a, maybe Bournemouth, the closest thing Saints the, have got. 
So the Monday kickoff, uh, the Monday game was Saints versus Brighton. Um, it was actually a very good game as well, um, but for Southampton to blow a two-goal lead, that's, yeah, but, but, that's but not going to go down what well. Is with, what is it with Brighton at the moment? Giving teams a two-goal lead, then then deciding to play and come back. That's two weeks in a row. True, yeah. So, I, I guess the talking point that the two penalties, I thought that the the, the Saints penalty, the foul on Ings was a, was a stonewall penalty. I don't think there's yeah, there's it was, much it was debate about penalty. that. But, there's been some debate about the Brighton penalty late on. And my view on that is that whether you think it's a penalty or not, what what Ward-Prowse has done by making that challenge is he's he's made the ref make a decision. Yeah. Because the, ref, the ref's in a really good position to see it. And he's... Although he hasn't, he's not sort of taking him out. I mean, he's he's nudged him. He's clearly nudged him. But there's contact. Whether, whether, but yeah, but whether it's worthy of a it's penalty, a much. I'm not sure. But mm. where the ref is, he's sort of made him make a decision. So I don't I don't think they can have much complaints. But I'd I'd be much happier being a Brighton fan coming back from two than I would a Saints fan. Saints had so many chances in the first half, but then Brighton came back into it. It's a game so, that Southampton. Yeah. Come the end of the season, you know. I know it's we're only at the start, but it could be one of those results that they look back on and think, well, if we yeah, would have held on. Danny Ings looks good. I know. I know he got. I know he got a penalty. But yeah, he, I have to hold my hands up about this one as well because I I did say at the start of the season that signing Ings would not help them in any way, but he has scored a few goals now. Yeah, it'll do well for him, but I've. I've I think it might be another season where Saints struggle, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was the uh, the weekend review. Um, so now we are going to move on to something a bit new. Um, so we are going to do a quick summary of the lower leagues, so the EFL leagues, so the Championship League 1 and League 2. Uh, I believe Rich is going to kick us off with the Championship. Yeah, so what's been going on in the Championship? So we'll, we'll take a look at just... Uh, the teams at the top, teams at the bottom, how they got on at the weekend. So seven games in, uh, Leeds remain top of the league. They got a 1-1 draw away at Millwall at the weekend with an 89th-minute equaliser. So, like I say, still unbeaten. So um, a point's a point. The late goal uh, preserves their unbeaten record. Brentford moved up to second with their second win in two weeks. Uh, they got a 2-0 home win against Wigan. Bristol City are in third with their fourth straight win. So Bristol City in a, in a bit of good form at the moment. They got a 1-0 win over Sheffield United. Um, and at the bottom, Ipswich uh, are rooted to the bottom. No win in five now for Ipswich after a 2-0 defeat at Hull. So not going very well for them. Uh, Preston a second bottom, also with no wins in five. I think that if you look at the form of the bottom four or five in the championship... In the last five games, there's only been two wins across the five teams. <laughs> so, so they're, they're all in Not pretty good. poor form. But yeah, so Preston's second bottom, but they lost uh, at home to Reading 3 uh, 2, which pushed Reading up to 22nd. So that was, say Reading that was just, a, just above That was a basement battle already. So yeah. yeah. Not not going great for Ipswich, Preston, and Reading, although Reading did get the win at the weekend. 
but it's, it looks tight in the championship. You've got the you've got the usual suspects there, your Stokes and your Swansea's and your West Broms that came down. Derby are looking okay, but Leeds look good. I'd like uh, Leeds are a team I'd like to see go back up. So if their form continues, could have some good games next year. So moving down to League One. So Portsmouth are top after a 2-1 win against second place Peterborough. So Pompey are now unbeaten in their last five matches. They're doing really well. Uh, the defeat for Peterborough was their first in five games. So it's good to have a, a, a game of sort of two teams like that, first and second in the league, both in good form so early in the season. Uh, so Barnsley are third despite a 1-0 defeat away at Coventry. Barnsley started the season really well. Um, Sunderland, who are my tip to win to win League One this year, they're in fourth uh, after their first defeat in five games came against Burton. So that was one of our prediction games where yeah. none of us got the result right. We all went no, for Sunderland. I went for a Sunderland win. <laughs> yeah, but ended up losing. Uh, Plymouth a bottom after a 1-0 defeat at home to Blackpool. So that's third defeat in, in their last four games for Plymouth. So they're not not doing too well at the moment. Oxford a second to bottom, but picked up a point away at Wickham. Uh, Bristol Rovers and Bradford are the other two teams that make up the, uh, the relegation places. Oh, shame. That they both lost at the weekend. So the, it, it, it's quite interesting adding this feature in and sort of having a proper look at the tables. The teams that are at the bottom, especially in League One, even in the Championship, actually, their, their form isn't good already. I know we're only seven games in, but they just can't seem to get a win from anywhere. So, yes, a few of them are going to have to uh, up their game over the next couple of weeks. Okay, so... Um, so that's, that's Championship and League One. Yeah, so League Two, um, a 6-0 away win for Yeovil. Moves them up... start with Yeovil. <laughs> <laughs> moves them up to fifth in the table with a game in hand as well. Um, so, in fact, a win for them. That's their best result since being in the Football League as well. So... And they are now six games without conceding. So, good form at the moment for them. Uh, Lincoln and Exeter, they both won 2-1 at the weekend. Um, that means they hold on to first and second. And then wins for Colchester, Bury, Oldham means that they make up the rest of the playoff play positions. The the bottom uh, half of the league, uh, so bottom of Notts County, they actually registered a, a point at the weekend, only their second point of the season. They were actually they actually they drew three all with Stevenage and they were actually ahead three times in that game and three times they unfortunately conceded a goal. Um, Macclesfield second from bottom again they've only got two points and that is about it from League Two. It's only two teams go down so, but yeah, good win for Yeovil. I just wanted to get that in there. And they have eleven men on the pitch, I believe. He <laughs> the listeners. Now Rich says this because he's got this theory that he will get a lot of players sent off. But it's it's not a theory, Chris. I think, I think it's it was that one time fact. you one time you messaged me where they had like two or three players sent off in one game, but that's still yeah. a lot. <laughs> that, that's almost getting the game abandoned. Almost. Almost, but I've, but the the they've the money they have had over this season they've they've spent it well and they've 
I think they've actually done a lot of research on the players that they've brought in. Um, and it, it does look quite positive for them at the moment. So, yeah. They're always sort of favourites to go down. So Happy the fact that they're sort of in the playoff positions is... Um, they weren't really favourites to go sign. down. If but... anyone doesn't know, Chris Chris is a Yeovil fan amongst, amongst being a Chelsea fan. And many other teams from around the world, <laughs> especially, anyway. in the a, especially in the A League. Right, what's we'll your, get on to your, the A League. On it, that's a whole different conversation. What, what is your A League team? Just, just so we know. Perth Glory. Perth Glory. Yeah. There we go. There you go. So uh, that was the summary of the lower leagues. Um, we put that in there because we've had a few people suggesting that we shouldn't just concentrate on the Premier League. Um, and I think it's fair to say that we probably should cover all the football across, across England. So, um, yeah, so that will be a feature that will be staying. Um, so, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, all right, Chris. Yeah. So uh, Rich is going to explain the special topic. Yeah. So this week, um, a topic that was uh, that was suggested uh, by one of the listeners. And it's it's, a, it's about the loan system. So, just just to give a bit of a summary, I don't know if you've done this, Chris, but it's probably good just to give the actual definition of what a loan is yeah. as per the Premier League handbook. I don't know if you've ever seen this document. I, I, I want to know how you got hold of a Premier League handbook. <laughs> well, I, tell you, I, I can't tell you that. I can't reveal my sources. But what I will tell you is a 616-page document so if you've, got, if you've got a couple of days spare but you want to read it, then then go ahead. But so section three, subsection three point five of the Premier League handbook states the temporary transfer of a player's registration. So for a governing body endorsement, loans are defined as temporary transfers which do not extend beyond the end of the season in which the registration is temporarily transferred. Loans are only permissible within the player's current period of approval and should not be used to avoid making extension or change of employment application. So that's that's the official line. But wow. I think it, what it's basically saying is you can loan players, but you can only do it for a period of one season, one season as a maximum. Right. But but that's that's the official line on it. Okay. Well, I've got, I've got a few things that obviously I've um, had a look into it a bit deeper. Um, I'm I am all for clubs loaning out players. Um, I think that there should be an agreement that if you loan a player to a club, can that, I just interrupt you there, yeah? Chris? Do you have that opinion? Because Chelsea currently have. Do you I've know how got many players. Chelsea have. Uh, I've got the stats. Here. How many is it? Well, I've got 40 that they've got out on loan this season. 40 players. 40 players. I can actually tell you that Don't they've tell got... tell us all of them. They've No, so they've got players playing the Premier League, Championship, League 1, League 2, La Liga, the Spanish 2nd Division, Dutch 1st and 2nd Division, Germany, France and Italy 1st Divisions, Brazil, Serbia and Scotland. Okay. So... But I think there should be an agreement that they should play a certain amount of games if they go out on loan. 
because there's no point in loaning out a player if he's not going to get any experience at that club. I've got an example for you. Okay. This is a Chelsea player that went out on loan last season called Lewis Baker. He went out on loan to Middlesbrough last season and he played 10 games. And from January, he didn't get in the squad at all. For So from January to May last season, he didn't even get in the starting lineup or the subs. Now, what yeah. good is that to a young player? But but this this is where I have a bit of, this is where I have a bit of a problem with the loan system. Right. Because okay. I've I've been racking my brain trying to think whether it's something that benefits the club, the player, or both, or even neither. So to use that as an example, yeah. Do you really think, as a Chelsea fan? Do you really think that lad is ever going to get in the Chelsea first team? Well, the reason I chose Lewis Baker was because I've seen him play a few times um, when he's played for the under-21s. And I know that he is one of the players that I think that will, out of the 40, will likely to make it into the actual first team. Um, so, so, so I think so. Did Loftus Cheek come through Chelsea's academy? Yes, so he is okay. A kind of player. Yeah. So, so, so we're talking about we're talking about a player who's come through Chelsea's academy, a good, solid English player, went out on loan last year. The way he played last year for Palace pretty much got him in the England squad for the World Cup. He goes to the World Cup does himself justice. I mean, he he doesn't set the tournament on fire or anything, but when he plays, he, he, he has a solid game. Yet, he's come back to Chelsea and he's not playing. This this, this is where I think I have a problem with the loan system because I, I don't fully see the point of it. Because but where... <laughs> big clubs, yeah. big clubs, I may be wrong, but big clubs will go abroad and they will buy well-known, established players that are going to come in and hit the ground running because teams don't have six or seven games to bed players in in case results don't go their way. So another example. So if you look at, um, I think Villa played last night. They won 2-0. So the goal scorers for Villa were Tammy Abraham on loan from Chelsea Right, yeah. and Yannick Balassi on loan from Everton. So, do you really think, as a Chelsea fan, do you really think Tammy Abraham is ever going to get in the Chelsea first eleven? Is he on... is he going to get in ahead of Giroud, ahead of Morata? Not at this point in time, no. Mm. Okay, but because he went to Swansea last year, and I don't think he fulfilled his potential. He didn't know. I think that was but, the problem but, with but, for him. But I was... think he'll do well in the championship. But again, where I struggle with it is if if I'm if I'm looking at Chelsea, I would expect Chelsea to go out and spend fifty, sixty, seventy million on another striker rather than Tammy Abraham playing in the next three or four years. Correct. So why so... why don't why don't, I know it's easier said than why don't they just sell him? Yeah, well, I think I I don't think they want to sell him yet, just because if he does fulfil his potential this season, then maybe he can become a squad player. Because 
last season yeah, out of the without 38 players cynical, that were on without being cynical yeah is is there not a is there not something that says if he fulfills his potential they'll get more money for him well yeah maybe that is true maybe, well, you're right yeah you probably are right you know but i just i don't I, I struggle to find some players i know being a spurs fan you're probably going to say it's a bit biased Harry Kane, so he, he went on loan to a number of clubs. So Millwall, I think he was at Leighton Orient, Leicester, uh, and a few other teams. But I guess the question is, is is that experience what has made Harry Kane the player he is today? Or, I mean, it's probably, it's probably contributed to it, but I think Tim Sherwood takes a lot of credit for, for, for taking a chance on him and putting yeah. him in the team. Well, I don't. I don't think you're probably right that probably he um, he probably most of the experience he got, the good experience was probably him being picked for Tottenham, not necessarily for playing for Millwall, playing for Leighton, or playing for Leicester. Yeah, the the, the one the one the one current loan. I don't, I'm not sure if it happened this summer, but Callum Chambers going to Fulham. Yeah. So. I think I think Chambers is a is a good prospect. I think he's a good defender. I think he he probably learned his his trade at Saints like a lot of young English players do, and then got the move to Arsenal. He's he's one where I would probably say he's not quite ready yet. So, so going, right, out, yeah. to, going out and playing for Fulham is probably a good thing for him. At least he's at a Premier League club. Unlike yeah. Tammy Abraham, who they've loaned to the championship. Yeah, but if you, um, if you if you Google anything to do with the loan system, like you say, Chelsea having forty odd players out on loan, that's all you see, and I think that that's what gives me that opinion. So, because realistically, how many of those forty players that Chelsea have got out on loan are actually ever going to play for the? Well, this is it. So last last season, thirty eight players went out on loan for Chelsea. One of them being Loftus Cheek. He's the only one that's part of the first team squad. Because mm. that comes back so like, to the original question: do you, do you think it do you think it benefits the I, player, the club? Neither, I think or? it. I think it benefits it slightly. It benefits the player, but I think it probably has the best advantage for the team that's receiving the player because they're getting semi-experienced players for for probably a cut of the price that they would normally have to pay for if they bought the player. And for a player that might not see a future at, you know, say, for example, Chelsea, do you think it sets the player up well in the future for playing in lower leagues? No, not so, really. I'll be honest, the more I think about this, the more I'm against the loan system. Because even the even the player get even the club getting the player. So if you're if you're Villa, for example, and you think you've got Balassi and Tammy Abraham, so two two good players. Yeah. They've played in the Premier League. They're they're probably if we're going to sort of rate championship players, they're probably two of the better players in that league. There's some great players in that league. But what happens at the end of the season? 
So what happens if if Villa get promoted and Abraham and Balassi have had a brilliant season and they're sort of pivotal in the fact that Villa have got promoted, are, are Villa going to buy them? Probably not. They'll go back to their parents. They probably won't be able to. Yeah. Either not be in the squad or they'll just go out on loan to another championship team next year. So I, I, I struggle to see where the benefit is. Footballers want to play football. I think from the, from the players' point of view, they want to go and play football. Do you think maybe so a cap on how many players that you are allowed to loan out over a season? Or do you think just it... it I, I think there all is in a all, cap. it's not I, a good I think, idea. I think you're only allowed... You're only allowed... I believe it's two players from Premier League clubs. You can only send a maximum of two players out to other Premier League clubs. Okay. But the the loan between Premier League to Premier League is like Carriers. He went to Besiktas. Ashley Williams, he's gone to Stoke. There's not many. I know there's more players, but there's not many Premier League teams. Can you remember that? I can't remember the last time Spurs had a player on loan. I don't know no. if you remember Chelsea's the last sort well, of Chelsea, Chelsea have got one now. They've got Kovacic, uh, Kovacic didn't they? Oh, well. He's on loan. But the, the last the last big name player I can remember going to a big club, there, there probably have been one since, is Henrik Larsson to, to United. And if I remember rightly, that was more of a sort of a stopgap sort of just a just a one season. I'm not sure if he'd retired or he came out of retirement. But that that's where I sort of see the loan system working yeah. more. If if you've got if you've got three keepers in your squad of twenty five and two of them get injured, I know you can go to your youth. I'm not trying to stop youth players getting promoted at all, but to me that's almost where the loan system comes in because you, you need someone. Yeah. I definitely see what you're saying. Um, I think it's, it's, I just, it's such a it's, it's a difficult it's a difficult topic. But yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I, I have a I do lean more towards that. It it's a waste of time. So I don't I this, don't I struggle to see the benefit. With so it. this season so far, 382 players have gone out on loan from Premier League clubs. But how many of those could you name? Exactly. But then you look at La Liga in Spain and they've got 260. So the Premier League have got 122 more players out on loan than what La Liga clubs mm. do. And I'd be interested to know how many of those are English. The From the Premier League ones? Yeah. I would have thought the majority are probably English, I would have thought. But... Oh. I suppose at least they're getting game time. Yeah, I, I think that's the main thing. I think as as long as long as they are playing, then I don't see a problem with it. The way I do have a problem with it is if they're just sat there not playing, get they might as well be back with their parent club training, you know. But you know, I think it'll be one of those ones where you know the FA may look into it in the next couple of years um, because, like you said. Even as Chelsea have forty players out on loan, is mm. is an astonishing Again, amount of players. It, it may be it may be a bit of a biased view, but when I think about loans, I think I think back a couple of months ago when the uh, when the 
UK transfer window closed and in the run-up to the end of the European one closing at the, the, the end of August, a lot of talk around like Danny Rose, for example, with Spurs, was that he was going to go out on loan. Yeah. Now, whether that's because it was too close to get a, to get a permanent transfer done or whatever the reason was, it, if Pochettino doesn't fancy Rose and he's not going to play for him, and he's tab- he's not sending him on loan to get game time to then bring him back into the squad. No, I don't think he's just trying to so get rid of him. Just just sell him. Just get rid of just him. Yeah, yeah. I see that. If... I don't. That's what I mean. Like it, it, in the loan system, what I can understand youth players going out getting experience, but why yeah, send a player that's you know plus twenty five years old? when they've probably had the experience, for that player to be told, oh, we are going to send you out on loan. So let's say Pochettino went Danny Rose said, look, we're looking to probably get sending you out on loan. And if you were Danny Rose, you'd just be thinking, well, he's obviously just saying that I'm not going to get in the Tottenham squad again. Just just sell me. Just get rid of it. If, yeah. if I'm not going to play for this team anymore, you might as well just sell me. So, it's it's an interesting debate. Mm. I think we could I think we could sit here all night and talk about. I could it, probably speak for two more hours on this, but <laughs> yeah, we ain't got time. But, but I'm not sure. Again, it's just that they're just our opinions. I'm sure people yeah. out there have got got different views to us. So well, definitely. If you, um, if, if you think we're talking, let us know. Rubbish, just yeah, just let us know. I think just it's, say, um, Rich it's, is. Um, you're used it's to the not, negative comments now, Rich, so if you just direct it towards him. I literally feel trolled by people because of uh, Hugo Lloris. I expect him to compensate me greatly. <laughs> okay, so um, predictions um, for this week. Uh, they're up on Facebook and Twitter, aren't they now? So, yeah, they um, are, yeah. See. So... Uh, Paul, our friend Paul, friend of the show, new listener. He's um he's he's our guest predictor this week. So like Chris said, they're on Facebook, they're on Twitter. So um take a look, let us know your views. We'll be announcing the results of that early next week after the games have taken place. So uh this week, um so we've got Paul Gent this week and then uh the results from last week are also online, um where Greg took part um and i believe rich you won again that week didn't you i did i did and i'm i'm contemplating donating the trophy that i will win at the end to to spurs so they can put it in their new trophy cabinet they're gonna need it (laughs) so um the teaser for for this week rich um i've i've literally I've been trying to think back. Oh, oh, I I have no idea. I, I, to be honest with you, it's probably not even one of a, the big clubs anymore. But just because I know that they were really good in the nineties, I've I'm just gonna say Ajax. I know that they were good. Nearly wrong country. Mm. It was Marseille. Marseille. Uh, Marseille won the first ever Champions League. Because I was thinking that you, it wouldn't be Madrid or anyone like that. Because I thought he wouldn't ask me if if it was that. I, so I, I, thought, I, I thought you were going to go AC Milan because they were in their sort of prime back then. But an uh, interesting story behind that is Marseille were kicked out of it the year after because their um 
their owner president whichever position he held was um done for match fixing so they didn't get to um defend it oh. they didn't get to defend the trophy but yeah marseille won the first ever champions league well, congratulations to marseille yes. i don't we're think still, they've won it we're still naught of five in yeah. our teasers Who's, the problem is now that we're ducks. we're trying to make them harder for each other, so the other person doesn't doesn't be the first one to get it. So, um, yeah, well, we'll see what happens next week. So, speaking of uh, next week, uh, Rich, you're not going to be here next week, are you? No, I'm on holiday, Chris. So, so I won't I won't be available for the podcast. I'm afraid. So, um, I have. Well, I can't have played on doing it on my own, but there is no way that you guys would want to hear me speak for 45 minutes on my own. So um, we've managed to get someone else um, involved. Um, so it's, it's going to be Greg, um, who did the predictions last week. Um, so he is going to take over from Rich next week um, for one week only, unless Rich never comes back. Um, but... Uh, I'm, not sure, I'm, not, I'm not sure Butlins is that good. <laughs> but um, um, Greg has picked the topic for next week. So the topic um, is going to be about grassroots football. Um, so we've titled it Grassroots, the Good, the Bad and the Ugly. So um should be interesting. So that'll be Greg's first podcast next week. I'll be listening, Chris. Yeah, Don't any positive, positive comments only from Rich. Of course. <laughs> and, of course. And the podcast won't get any uh, bad comments if Rich isn't here. So, um, <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all publicity is good publicity. Um, but yeah, well, so. On a serious note, thank, thanks to Greg for standing in. Yeah, um, so. Um, yeah, thank you to Greg for, for standing in, but he will be here recording it with me next Tuesday. Um, but that is about it for this week. Um, unless Rich, you've got anything else? No, I have okay. nothing else. Thanks for listening. So good, yeah, good, thank, good, thank, good, good topic, good debate. Yeah, it was a good debate, but thank you for listening everyone. And, um, remember to, uh, go to our Facebook page, Twitter page, we're on Instagram now. Um, go to YouTube, listen to the old podcasts. Um, I'll link them all in um, the, the latest video. Um, but, yeah, thank you very much. I'll see you next week.